Yo, yo, it's CJ the Day Slave from the Upgrade America podcast. We did a Halloween slash end of the campaign election episode. Um, it is election time in the U.S. Everybody's watching, including U.S. spectators, a.k.a. citizens, a.k.a. upgraders. Uh, me and Cam put in our votes for each other because we believe in the democratic process in our republic of a country. Um, We're talking about Elon Musk providing internet to rural areas in the U.S. We're talking about whistleblowers, how important they are in society. And we also talk about robots taking your jobs. And we also give an an, an election prediction um so excuse me for the error but listen we keep it real on here um like share subscribe we appreciate you be safe out there be an informed voter vote your conscience vote your values do what you do if you withhold your vote for me anyway cam don't necessarily like that but i don't mind it um that's your decision but definitely vote state and local definitely always vote state and local and midterms don't forget about those um upgrade america peace stay blessed Yo, don't make me hit the button on the president's desk. The little red one that's never been pressed. Cause that would mean World War Three and all the residents' death. That's why I keep it steady. I'm stressed, but not heavy or less. What's up, world? All our loyal upgraders, ghosts, demons, poltergeists, all the likes. This is our post-Halloween episode 87. And also the final campaign address of the Ra Johnson administration. You already know uh, we're about to go in on this episode. It's been a long time coming. We wrote the book on how to run and launch an online campaign, but this is it. We're wrapping it up. But yo, I'm Cameron Ra, host of Upgrade America and 2020 Independent Presidential Candidate. Here to be joined by my lovely uh, Vice President, CJ the Day Slayer, howling on him. What's goody, bro? Oh! <laughs> talk to him, talk to him. But yo, we got a lot to discuss. We're running down these subjects, but um, what else you got? Um, we got on the agenda, bro. All right, we have. Yeah, there we go. We're talking about whistleblowers. Okay. Um, unions, rural high-speed internet, upgrade America. Concept. No doubt, no doubt. Some Elon Musk uh, technology, some satellites and all that. It's going to be fun. Wisconsin voting. How interesting. Get there. New Humvees. <laughs> We're talking about those. Um, robots taking jobs, of course. <laughs> um, after Trump plans militia recruitment. Okay. I'm curious to what that's about. Um, let's see what else we got here. Presidency after Trump if he loses. Mm. I've been hearing uh, mixed bags of uh, possible outcomes and events that could occur if uh, if he were to lose. And let's see, Matt, mask and fear fatigue along with annual death rates in the U.S. We're going to kind of talk about that. Cool. 
So that's the rundown. Alrighty, alrighty. So I mean, um, first things first, I think we should get into it as far as uh, wrapping up our political campaign and like, you know, just throwing that address out there. So we did it independently. We ran. We were able to communicate political ideas and agendas to a, a, a very wide base exclusively online. And I want to say, like, what, through the course of this thing, we probably met, like, twice. Me and yeah. CJ, but we were able to run a campaign, an effective campaign at that, you know, across America to upgrade America. But um, <laughs> it's been a journey, bro. It really has. Mm-hmm. And just I was really pleased to see you writing your name on the ballot, making history. <laughs> this is, is a wonderful thing i'm gonna be voting in person opposed to doing the mail-in and, and ballot but it's pretty dope yeah what are your biggest takeaways man from- um besides the trump um administration i definitely became more politically aware on all levels um at first, I thought Cam was crazy. Not even. A- <laughs> I'm very much insane, but you know. But I really thought about. It. I said, "Why would I discourage my de- fellow defender, who, to that guy? Not- you know what I'm saying? So I was like, "Okay, let me see." I I couldn't say no. It was one of those <laughs> things I couldn't say no. So I was like, um. We, I know we've both grown since doing this campaign and this podcast is parallel. Um, I don't know, man. Just it, I guess it kind of ignited a fire. We talked about this, like where I would look to run for like governor or mayor or something like that. I'd like to see you do that. Yeah, because like I'm thinking about is like, number one, it's not that hard. You're going to have a staff. Number two, I know I would do what's best for the people. That's what it's all about. And I think we need that representation. And now perhaps that was the biggest reason I wanted to do this is like Mm -hmm. the the whole notion of campaigning, it is fun, particularly when you have carte blanche authority and you can just run it any way you see fit. It, It is fun. And then at the same time, having brainstorming about noble ambitions and ways to really help the people that's fun as well. And that's yeah. been outlined in Upgrade America Policy for the Future. Available on Amazon Kindle or DM me. I'll send you a free copy. With some really great ideas, you know, and, and getting that out it is, is really cool. But again, like I, what I was saying is just like, just doing this, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps it will inspire, like you said, yourself to run for governor, other people to run for mayor, senator, what have you. But for me, it was a learning experience about the lack of barriers just for, for going down that path. True. And for other, other offices as well. But um, biggest takeaway is like, there's nothing stopping you. Like, do it. You'll, you'll learn from failure. Again, whatever the outcome is, you, you said it yourself, CJ, we have grown quite a bit. From, uh, you know, from this political endeavor. And if we were to do this at long term, like I, I, I see success in the future, whether it's in the Senate, it's the governor, 
office or, or even marriage, but there's <laughs> something I want to do again. Um, biggest policies I would want to enact, going and speaking directly to the people, is like, yo, online voting. Been harping on this before COVID just because I'm a technology buff, but COVID has put it into perspective that's something we need. Online voting, we're, 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 without question, like this would be probably one of the biggest initiatives I would push in, in four years in office, and I think it's feasible. Mm-hmm. Second would be the establishment of a life force. And pretty much, you know, everyone's familiar with the Army, the Navy, Marines, the military. We need a parallel unit to that of equal magnitude and strength exclusively for providing health care to the American people. So that would be objective number two. And tackling, we already tackled health care. That's the one way that we we ramp it up. I mean, there's so much things that I I would like to do in in, in office. And again, I get it, people wouldn't vote for me. I, I understand that, but still look at some of the policies that we propose and pass it on to to the lawmakers that you would vote for and hold them accountable for pressurize them to to upgrade america if you don't want to do it with us but what about you man what would you push for on my vote i'm with you on that um let's see uh decriminalization of drugs i would push that i agree with you on that that'd be one at least if you start with decriminalize across the board, mm-hmm. it should make it easier to legalize everything. And then, you know, while you're decriminalizing, you'll have the plan to how you're going to tax and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can do all that stuff and then get people used to the concept of decriminalize because that is going to be a adjustment process. So, um, What's the other thing? Let's see. So we say online vote, decriminalize the drugs. Um, talk about these term limits, man. Like one thing I've learned with like Supreme Court justices and um, senators is term limits. That's one of the biggest things I probably would focus on. Like, yo, nah, we gotta change this up because looking at like really looking at it from a legislative view mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if trump wins or not he's already won legislatively how he set it up he looked basically now, what do you mean by that down the future well i was listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and like between all the federal judges that he put in that favor his ideals on top of the supreme court justice he just put in where they're i think they're not even they're pretty much right leaning there's no like middle ground like those things right there is what caught my attention now that's why i'm like wow that's more destructive than because you got to think supreme court is lifelong appointment basically so i'm like and then i'm thinking of the senator aspect yo we got these elders still in there out of touch with right now they need to be gone they're still holding on to stuff they believe in from their day not so now the, the biggest part that they're out of touch with i dare say is the technical aspect and the technology is changing faster than these dinosaurs can regulate it and when we're talking into like the advantages that artificial intelligence and and things mm-hmm. of that nature can can have and we need younger people in government 
who understand the, these technologies and who can think outside of those box on how to come up with better legislation. Um, but again, it's, it just seems like we've come to that time where you're choosing the lesser of two evils. I'm like, nah, become my own evil. Don't mind my horns. My costume is a, I'm being a goat for Halloween. <laughs> but, yeah. Again, political campaign, people get involved in, in, in office. Like, mm-hmm. you cannot just say, like, yo, Democrats got me, Republicans got me. You, uh, you really got to do your own thing and, and get involved. And if, if only to influence these lawmakers to, to better accommodate our what we need. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of clips like, yo, especially if you come more community based on mm-hmm. fixing solutions like you and I discussed on like, a couple episodes back. And then go to the politics. Hey, we did this. Where are you at? Like, we put you in office to do take care of stuff like this. Or you can run just to threaten the status quo, but you would get changed. You running, even if you hey. don't win. Hold you know? on, you said you would get changed by running? I could see that as far as threatening the status quo, just because there's some people who run unopposed. And then just to have some competition, I don't know where. Yeah, that could be. Uh, that could be threatening. But again, it's like I really want to shout out to our listeners that there are so many offices, like within government, that you can run for. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people who win just because no one else stepped up to the plate. Yeah. And like, go for it. After this, you know, I may look for uh, see what uh, what else is available and, and get involved somewhere in the community yeah. but this is uh this is a way to really make a change yeah man uh this is exciting uh casting my vote um was exciting like writing that was exciting um, and you did the mail-in vote right yeah so i voted in person and i voted by mail i will okay. say um i didn't know that my supervisor of elections he's a black uh combat veteran mm-hmm army so i didn't know that until i actually kind of looked him up because he had to vote for him uh actually had to vote for him in this election so i was like oh okay. so i was like okay you seem pretty like a stand-up guy um but my experience voting in person was easy because of where I, I think it's where i live at to be honest it's pretty much republican like it's family i'm not say family it's like Americana ideally. Okay, you think of America, like the image of America. Um like the in the fifties. Huh? The white picket fence land. Yeah, like my neighborhood is I'm, I'm not even gonna front. Like I live in a decent neighborhood. So it's very easy for me to vote. Like I walked in there, it took probably the longest part it took me was like actually signing and registering and voting because you know you have to concentrate when you're voting but it took me probably 15 minutes total i was in and out it was socially distanced um and you're talking about that was for the queue in line as well yeah it was quick but i oh, went yeah. early. so now with the mail-in ballot i was nervous because i'm i got a scent here my homeboy shout out to ryan he um 
he mailed me my mail-in ballot. I know that right sounds funny. And so I went to the post office here. <laughs> and I was a little nervous because the environment is very uh, Trump uh, happy. So I was like, are they going to mail my ballot? I was nervous. I'm not even going to lie to you because I was like, seems like I'm the only black person here and I'm voting too. So I was really nervous about my shit being counted, but I knew I had signed up for online shit where I can see, you know. So it pretty much tracked the process of your vote. Yeah. Which I think it's pretty cool. And it, it gives some sense of, um, I don't want to say so much trust, but reliability. Yeah, man. When I got that text, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because I was like, plus it is very tricky with the vote. I see why they would throw votes out because you got to follow protocol with, with voting by mail. What so do you mean you by had, that? You had to, like for mine, I had to sign it, mm-hmm. date it. Then I had to, of course, you had to fill out the ballot in black or blue ink. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. It's like uh, you remember Scantron back in the day at school <laughs> when we took tests. Vaguely. Those forms. number two pencils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I recall, man. I recall. So basically, like the ballot is kind of in that way. Um, this is weird, real throwback for you, uh, young cats out here now. Um, but all the old heads know what I'm talking about. Older millennials and up should know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, so like, okay, so your ballot made it yes. live now. So that's reassuring. Now, yeah. as far as like, I believe there's a bunch of other ballots that did not make it by now. Like, how secure do you think this is, even if um, you did sign up for, for that? I don't know. I feel like, I know this is going to sound like, Gee whiz, I was just like, they have a patriotic and federal duty to deliver the mail because that's their job, but that's their duty. But I would think in this environment, they're aware enough to know, yo, like, these votes really do count. Like, hold up, like, I can't mess this up. I would hope the mail- But there are stories of sabotage. Don't we have something in the notes? Like, uh... Of as far as like you know these guys not delivering it is that what happened in Wisconsin? Oh, uh, let me see. Yeah, okay. let me bring it up. So did you send it to? Okay, yeah, I got it. You sent it here. And so I'm up in my Gmail right now, looking at the segment board. So we got whistleblowers, rural high speed internet, Wisconsin voting. What's that about? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I think I'm, I'm clicking on the link right now. I got the post. Got so. Oh, it's coming up blank. It's I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I clicked on the link. Let's hit it again. It's from Apple News. Yeah, I got nothing, bro. That's wild. Um, so what's the mailman have... going postal about? Let me see what that's about. So U.S. Postal Service employee charged for throwing out mail, including more than 100 absentee ballots. Okay, this is from CBSNews.com. Let's see what that's about. 
So a United States Postal Service employee has been charged for destroying mail, including absentee ballots, which he allegedly threw in a dumpster. U.S. Attorney Russell Coleman announced on Monday, the 30-year-old man identified as Deshaun Georgie of Louisville, Kentucky, has yeah. been charged with delay of destruction of mail, which is a federal crime. Yeah, that's no joke, man. Yeah. You're messing with the mail. So it says sometime between October 5th and October 15th, Georgie allegedly threw a large quantity of mail in a construction dumpster, including about 111 general election absentee ballots wow. from Jefferson's County's clerk office that are being mailed for voters to fill out according in the pressures. So here's what I don't get about something like this. Let's mm-hmm. just say he was right-leaning or left-leaning, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Unless he opens the ballots to like look to see how they're voting, he could essentially be throwing out votes in favor of his candidate. So yeah. I don't get why people do that. Or what is the motivation be- behind something like that? What do you think? They don't think it's all the way through. <laughs> Obviously. What benefit would they get? From I don't, I don't know. And it's such a it's such a risk to a risk and, and again as you mentioned like this is their federal duty. The, and it's it's ironic it's in Louisville, Kentucky. That's Real. what I was thinking yeah. when I was reading. I was like, man, Kentucky stays messing up. Yeah, ain't the news for some corrupt stuff. Well, way to get the heat off of Florida. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, don't you guys have a history for messing up the ballots? Yes, the governor vote. From what I remember, the governor's race, last governor's race, they said in South Florida it was like a bunch of ballots not counted or something. They were like in a closet or some shit. That probably would have helped. Uh, was a governor Gilliam? Gilliam. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that goes to show you, like, because that election came down to like fifty thousand votes. Like they recounted and everything, so yeah. Um, I don't know, I think it's great. What is that? Um, cats messing with some stuff, so no, <laughs> some indirect fire. I'll just say this, man don't, don't throw away people's votes. Come on, man. Like, I don't care who you are, don't. Don't go to the polls intimidating people, which I've been hearing reports of people trying to do that. Um, I've been hearing that as well, particularly on the Trump side, like mm-hmm. mobs of people lining up. And that sounds like I'm curious if I'm going to see that on Tuesday. And I, I don't know, like, I don't see how one it's like you're voting. As we remember, we mentioned last week, it's like a secret vote. So you can be like, yeah. And then what did you vote for Trump? Yeah. Not, yet. Like, what are you gonna, What are you gonna do? I guess that, that may be effective on some people. Yeah, it might be. Um, and you know, it's ironic. We talked about the history of voting, and that used to occur. People um, getting killed over who they voted for. Like, that's why we had to go to the Australian secret ballot system to avoid, you know, stuff like this and intimidation at polling places, like. All that stuff. We have a bad history of that before this really got legit, so to speak. 
Um, I got this Wisconsin one up real quick. All right, okay. Supreme Court rules, Wisconsin mail-in ballots must be received by the third. Mm, like received, not post-dated. Because yeah. I heard there's another, uh, there's another, um, what do you say? There's someone else that was saying it just had to have the post, it had to be dated by the third. And I guess yeah. that's why they were like Trump was saying it could take weeks if not months like i don't think this is an election we're gonna find out the results that night yeah i i don't know i i get what you're saying but i also see it like since i've been kind of tracking it a little bit like mm -hmm. a lot of people have voted already like a, yeah, lot, I see a lot of early voting yeah I'm gonna see if i can get it done on monday but then at the same time i still may swing by the polls just to um get some footage of the people who are voting on Tuesday. There may be a greater turnout, but it's like, okay, cool. So it's going to take some time to find out the results, right? Mm -hmm. Like what happens with either candidate? Hey, I may question it as well. What happens if a candidate questions the results? I.e., the sitting president's like, nah, nah, I ain't buying that. Like, I, I believe there's a margin error. Or there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's some, some fraud going on. Like, what, what well, happened? That, the, this is the interesting thing. If there's fraud going on, it's, it's going to be on both sides. Like, like, I guess Biden can make the same claim. That's what I'm saying. But it's like, why, like, can't, why can't I make that claim, too? Like, yeah, like, ain't no way I only got four votes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, know. Here's, like, here's the thing. Trump clearly has the, the advantage because he's in the house. He currently has retention of power. And when do when is the official changeover? It's like Switch. February. It's February, right? Yeah. <laughs> like February 2021. So that's more than enough time for him to last. No, it's January. It's January. Is it January? I, think, I believe it's right. 20, 20th or something like that. It's somewhere okay, around. Okay. So they, but nonetheless, still got enough time in in power a very powerful position to be like anything could happen and then remember we talked about he got the goons on the street <laughs> stand back and stand by uh, yeah you know what i'm saying it's gonna be a very interesting uh, very interesting election and i don't know bro it's like bro. Just gotta, just gotta be safe and, and be vigilant. But nonetheless, we, we did our part. We contribute because it's like, historically, when you look at the value of the vote, how powerful it is, I cannot just senselessly throw it away and say, well, you know, I think that Biden's better than Trump or vice versa. Mm -hmm. when, when none, when both are, are, appear to be some sort of evil. So it's like, to have that freedom to, you know, to chose our, to become our own version of evil was, uh, it's a really great feeling. And very pleased to have, have ran on for office this 2020. Well, you know what it made me think of, and maybe just put it in perspective for me. I've been listening to this uh, podcast series called um, Dictators. And hearing, like, the stories <laughs> of dictators <laughs> and political, like, elections and shit i'm like yeah we're pretty fortunate and i'm like well there's um 
there's I mentioned it before. There's a great book, and I, I forget the author, but it's called The Dictator's Handbook. Mm-hmm. And they go through a lot of historical. They give like the historical account of corruption. Yeah. And like a lot of political uh, moves that people have done to establish dictatorships and retain them. And mm-hmm. the author made. He mentioned that like America, the American government preferred dictator working with dictatorships than working with democracies. And you may think that's that's pretty radical, but it's like when you think about democracies, it's a lot of people involved for decision making. But when you're dealing with dictators, it's just like uh, you know, it's bilateral. Like yo, you're dealing with one person who has absolute power. I believe mm-hmm. it was Theodore Roosevelt that was. He was mentioning some dictator in South America. He's like, he may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Mm. And he meant he said that because like he could be bought. He they could directly influence it. Rather trying to deal with you know democratic nations that have so many channels. But and the, maybe another thing that's been annoying me because I've been hearing about our democracy, our democracy, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this right. I do realize we're a republic. We are practicing democracy. Now, what do you mean by that? Because I agree that we're a republic, but what do you mean by practicing democracy? Because democracy is one of the hardest things to actually practice, like actually do. And is it, it ideal? Yes. And I'm sitting Even here. Even in a nation full of idiots. Huh? Even in a nation full of idiots. <laughs> I don't know. I was I, this is kind of like been annoying me because I've been here. Oh, this is ruining our democracy. I'm like, do you realize how many forms <laughs> of government we have in America? It is we very know, strange. Like we got the rich running this, business running this. Like we don't have democracy because we wouldn't be having voting issues if this was a democracy. If you really think about it. I concur, and again, I, and I believe our score is like we're in the C. If you had to rate from from uh, F to A, as far as where we're like in the C, either like 79 or something like that for our democratic score, because we're not a real democracy. And we go around with the notion that, yeah, yeah, we go from country to country spreading democracy and stuff. And what's ironic is some of them have more of a democratic process than we do. Yeah, just like uh, the second Bill of Rights that has been instituted in all of Europe that we haven't. So, yeah, don't even get me fired up on that. Um, <laughs> Very ironic. But again, we have, to, uh, we have to remember that governments can change. Amendments can be amended. It's a living document. This thing can become any way the people want it. But who would really give up? What person in power would really give power back to the people facts um yeah i don't know this is just kind of it just annoys me now when i hear that i'm like oh so let me tell you what i thought so i had this engagement since we're kind of talking about democracy and republic and all this so i had this engagement on twitter and i brought up the ice cube um contract to black america right Mm-hmm. So it was a white gentleman who said, um, he said Biden's plan would plan would pass, O'Shea's wouldn't, 
because you can't just do something for black people. Right? And he said, on top of that, the Senate's not going to let that shit go through anyway. But I would argue the Democrats wouldn't either. But anyway, that's another topic. Um, so it had to, uh, we we, we kind of had that discussion before, even though there have been some executive orders that pertain exclusively to some demographics, like going through the Senate and everything is a different story. But I, I, I agree mm-hmm. with the exception of mm-hmm. reparations. Like so, we, we we have the technology to 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 trace, you know, people's lineage, mm-hmm. and this is. This is a debt that must be paid by the American government. But- Absolutely. So, get into what you said, right? So he he brought up something like um, dealing with Department of Transportation, something dealing with Mitch McConnell or something like that, which is a poor example because Mitch McConnell's horrible. <laughs> but he um, then he says something like, basically, it was like he wouldn't whatever that was in that transportation bill wouldn't be given to black contractors ever if they can't prove they can do the job, which I said, okay, that's fair. You still gotta be able to do the job, but you still should have access to be able to get those contracts, like government contracts. Okay. So, and when he brought up like the unconstitutional part, that triggered me because I'm like, do you realize what our government does all the time is unconstitutional? And so I started going down a list of shit. I didn't hear back from him. So I said, uh, <laughs> clearly, I was like, I don't know. It just triggered me. It really made me think about is the constitution like at this point, just a historical document? Hmm. And I, like, does it really matter? Because how I'm looking is at it, still it re- is it still relevant? Yes. I kind of agree. And this is a really bright, made a great point. Like, is it just some relic that we reference from, from a, from an age past? Like right now we're stepping all over the constitution where, when you're talking about, I mean, 9-11 opened up some some doors to, to really trample on it. COVID yeah. is opening up some doors to trample on freedoms as, as well. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It, it almost seems to be like it's just some antiquated document that's not relevant in, in the age of 2020, which brings me to, to uh, what we discussed before is we need a modern document with hard-coded Bill of Rights and, and other liberties built into this that's going to take into consideration technology, um, displacement of jobs and safety nets, things of that nature. Like, yeah, we need a, I don't want to say a new constitution, (laughs) but we need another more relevant uh, legal document to secure our freedoms. Yeah, we need it. We need to upgrade it. Upgrade America, duh. Upgrade America, you're right. I even hit him with this. I said, even Thomas Jefferson said, yo, we got to keep updating this as society progresses. Oh, absolutely. And I found the irony in him saying that because he was a slaveholder. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here like, but at least he had the foresight to know like, yo, like we got to keep, as we develop as a nation and we become more knowledgeable and we got, this is a living document. It's supposed to be a living document, not stuck in. He knows that everything is bound to change. No thing in, in, in this in this world stays the same. Not even government. 
it's yeah. bound to change. Sometimes it's slow and progress incremental. Sometimes it can be radical, but all things are, are bound to change. What up, uh, Wolf King three four seven? What up, President? Now I call him President. Ironically, this is my home last job. Um, I don't know. That triggered me though when he said, and I thought about some other things. I I really started diving deep, and I said. The Constitution, it seems like, only applies to the elite that use it to their advantage currently because the average citizen is fighting like hell to keep their constitutional rights. Yo, what's good, D-Max? But it's like, and I agree, and maybe it's because the elite, the wealthier, they have more lawyers at their disposal that they can frame scenarios in the, under the Constitution and use it to their advantage. But, um... I, I really it's still <laughs> relevant. I will still say it, it is still relevant mm-hmm. because um, right now, I mean, it, is that not the, the whole purpose of the Supreme Court to make sure that there are no laws that are conflicting with it? If, but that's the thing. What I was just telling you, if the Supreme Court is lean one way, how could it be impartial? You know what I'm saying? Like, how could it be fair? And that's what, and I think that is probably what's so dangerous about these lifelong appointments for the Supreme Court. Yes. That could mean you could have 20 years, 20 plus years of of left or right-leaning policies. And I think these appointments should be temporary. Yeah, like, and I I just had this debate on Twitter about term limits. I'm like... It makes sense now. If you really start looking at it now, you you would want term limits because you look at. I'm thinking of senators like Nancy Pelosi. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham. I'm thinking of Mitch McConnell. I'm thinking of. I think he retired. I forgot the other dude's name. Well, but it's like Chuck yeah. Schumer. Right? All these people, like yo, y'all been in for like 50 years, man. It, it's on. funny because like yo, we're doing our campaign. And it takes some time, it takes some, some energy, and we're doing it on a small scale. But these yeah. guys are campaigning on grander scales. And it makes yeah. me wonder, like, okay, you're doing all this. Who's running the country? Who's doing <laughs> policy? And it's not like they're just doing it for, like, they're doing it over and over and over again. So it's like their priority seems to be to keep their job more than to... Uh, you know, look out for, for what the American people need. Well, not only that, I think of the constituents, right? Yeah. So they're they're the reason they get in there besides big money. We know what it is, but they're even not even probably listen to their constituents really like that either, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm starting to see, oh, uh, yeah, y'all vote me in, like, kind of thing. Like, I'm not worried about it. And that's the that's the notion of politics. And, and like I said, we're doing it, whatever the outcome is. If we create some sort of trend, some sort of movement where other people start doing it too, and we eventually push these type of people out from office and, and start representing uh, the people, then things will will truly upgrade America. We see what it is, but it's just so it's mind-boggling to sit back year after year and, and see people fall for the same trick that has yeah. been being played for nearly 200 years. Like, What's up, man? 
Let's see. Hold on. I had to shout out. No doubt. Um, yeah, man. Oh, hold on. Because for some people that didn't see my mask, I got a little mask on. Halloween's over, but I wanted to have a little fun. Yeah, you already know. No, that's the ah, come at you. <laughs> <laughs> the Halloween spirit. Uh, let's see. Wolf King said we need to push out the old ones and bring out the new ones with better ideas. Yeah, we talked about that. We said that pretty much everybody in politics needs to be generational. Generation X. Agreed. Um. So yeah, we definitely discussed that. Uh, let's see. He also said we definitely need term limits as well. Um, I don't see why that's not a thing. I get it for presidency, and it's really obvious why for presidency you want to have term limits. But even for these other counterparts, like the Senate and what have you, it's like, yo, you shouldn't be thinking you're going to get up in there, get comfortable, not do anything for 20 years, and just get your money. And God knows how many vacation days. And yo, they get crazy vacation days. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Zoe? I, <laughs> <laughs> I did that for Zoe. He, he know what I'm talking about. Air punches. We got this thing when we hyped up. Air punches. Yeah, shadow boxing. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, I think we need to get away from, people should get away from the notion of, oh, I'm going to be a career senator. You should get in, do your, you do your change, and then get out. But it's like, how can you sweeten the deal? Because it's like, no one wants power taken away unless there's something in exchange, like. Yeah. Um, that's politics, though. It's, what is it, quid pro quo? Yeah, yeah. Compromise. But, like, uh, what, what could be, because, again, it's like, <laughs> I'm assuming some senators would have to vote on <laughs> them limiting the terms. So, like, what would yeah. be incentive for, for them to do so? That's a good point. You raise a like, We'll give you more power here, but we're going to limit your time frame. I'm just trying to think what we what additional power could be offered to the Senate for them to get in, get out. Like, listen, you can make more effective change. Your timeline has shrunk, but we're going to give you more power so you can make more effective changes in a short amount of time. I don't know. I think eight years should be the max. Just like yeah, for senators. And then keep it moving on to the next one. But again, there has to be some sort of compromise. There isn't a lot of pushback. Uh, I, I I would say this would be the compromise. You can run for something else, but you can't run for Senate anymore. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. I would have that's, no that's problem with that. That's, that's I'm, I'm saying like, yeah, that's the silver lining that that already applies. But like, what could make them? I suppose we would really have to look at the power of the Senate and what could be done to, to sweeten the deal like that, that they would want to give up the power of time. Yeah. What's you up, know? Mate? About time, old man. Um, let's see. Um, what was I going to say, though? So let's talk about unions. Okay. Um, I got this article real quick. Um, I mentioned last episode, if possible, if say I just use a small group, black black folks, I said if y'all all are saying the ID to, IT to department, 
y'all should unionize to collective bargaining reasons for uh, just balance of power in the workplace. And I said, I think people overall need to unionize because of workers' rights being, I've been listening to so much stuff, they're like, yo, like, this thing is affecting everything. Workers' rights, like, obviously voting rights. What are you talking about as far as you're referring to COVID? Well, not, yeah, COVID's part of it, but just the culture of employment in America. Okay. It's been in a decline, like, I remember bringing this up in the meeting at my last employer, which I won't mention, but I was, we were talking about something about the federal minimum wage going up and the GM was not happy when I brought up, well, wages across the board have been stagnant for 35 years (laughs) nationwide. And he was super pissed. Like he turned super red. I was laughing. I was like, it's a fact. Like, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. That's a fact. Yeah, it really is, and that's sad because it's like, it's almost, it's negligent, it's selfish, that they're not taking into consideration inflation. Because over those 35 years, yeah, things have inflated significantly. And to not reflect that in, in the minimum wage, it's selfish and negligent. Man. Yeah, my homeboy is like, yeah, because... He's trying to get his fucking bonus. <laughs> so, <laughs> facts. Um, now, now, there are downsides to unions. Like, I'll go ahead and bring this up. You can worry about your union, like, making a backdoor deal behind you hmm. for more money with the corporation. You can have people that um, suck, frankly, suck at. They don't work as hard as you. don't have the same work ethic, but they get the same benefits as you being in a union. So basically, you have a dirt bag with high-speed people. You know what I'm talking about. And my understanding is that the union makes it difficult to terminate exactly. an individual. Because you have those trolls at work, too, to be like, oh, if you give them that kind of leverage and power, like it'll be miserable for everybody. So you got <laughs> you got those things, too. But I would say overall, like what people don't realize with unions is, number one, you can set up an actual pension that you can work from. You can do your little 20 years or 30 years and actually have a pension plus 401k, not just 401k and that's it. Like you can set up a pension. Usually they pay for all your medical stuff. They pay for it. There's no you contributing to your medical dental vision. They pay for it because Yes, because you pay your dues. Your dues, when you pay your dues, that contributes Mm -hmm. to the services and they fight on behalf of you. They provide all this. This is what they go to the negotiating table with. Hey, we working out this contract between these employees and the company. Mm-hmm. We want, you know, free medical, blah, 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 blah. That's what the dues are for, for fighting for you. Now, like, are the dues equally representing the cost of the medical? Like, for instance, like, say, I don't know, like insurance is hundred bucks a month for a person not in the union mm-hmm. are those uh union dues like a hundred plus or curious uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure the intimate details of what that would look like i'm just conceptually i got an idea what it would look like but you also have the option of not joining union if that's not for you too so i just know unions are very discouraged too um 
in I the world because of that um that leveraging that, that negotiating power that they have you know and with with employers but <laughs> i recall like when you're studying like the 19th 20th century industrial revolution and stuff like that like people were working i think they had like they worked like every day but sunday in ridiculous hours and i do believe unions came in to help regulate and modify that like holidays weren't even a thing yeah like <laughs> maybe christmas or something like that but like yeah. Yeah, and like, and they have unions for like everything. People don't realize. I'm gonna read down the list. Um, okay, okay, I'll, I'll read this one sentence. From 1983 to 2015, union roles shrank nearly three million workers. Is even over? They wrote this funny. Even as over 45 million more people joined the workforce, the proportion of workers in the union was cut in half over the same period. If that makes sense, that sentence. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was about to ask you, what are you saying now? <laughs> so basically, union drop off is heavy since '83 to 2015. Like union, like membership decrease. Yeah, like because I heard they were trying. To, a lot of people were trying to break them up. Absolutely. For a reason. Monte, what are you talking about? You need the money. <laughs> said you need the money. Um, <clears throat> so just to give a couple examples of unions for different industries so you got the international union of painters and allied and allied trades okay people that paint there's a union for you um people that build bridges and stuff like that iron workers there's a union for you uh transport workers there's a union for you like mass transit railroad airline workers so is there a retail <laughs> union Yes, there is. There I is. I've worn many hats. Like mm -hmm. retail sucks. <laughs> like I can, I recall the retail days, and I was like, I don't recall being there any union for that, but that would have been nice. Like you even got a uh, SAG, right? Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of TV and Radio Artists. Interesting. For, for um, actors and shit like that. You got a union for them. Like, people don't realize this stuff. Like, union for post office. Um, union for textile. Somebody's gonna know this. A couple of people in the chat room here. Uh, textile garment manufacturing workers, hotel, restaurant, and gaming workers, like casino. Yeah. Transportation workers. You know, like unions for firefighters, unions for government employees. I think my mom's in the union in her job as well. She's a government employee. Um, people don't know that, so you can be in a union in the federal government. Um, I did not. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a fraternal. Are there any military <laughs> unions? Oh, hell I'm just no. gonna no. say no. <laughs> like, oh, this is a dictatorship. Ain't no unions. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up in color. Um, you even got a union for journeymen and apprentices of plumbing and pipe yeah. fitting, sprinkler fitting industry. Like, uh, it's so much stuff, even for agricultural workers, farm equipment, construction. Wow. Like it's unions for everything. Unions for carpenters. Um, let's see. Unions. People don't know this. Unions for telecommunication, customer service, broadcast, and public sector healthcare and other workers. 
it's a lot of stuff, man. I mean, like, it, it makes sense if there's an, you know what I'm saying? If there's an industry that people are like-minded, they, they stick together and also have, uh, you know, some people providing insight and support. I mean, it really makes sense. Yeah, man. So I would say bring them back. Now, they would probably have to modernize a little bit because we're in 21st century. But um, like I said, I still know they exist. Like I talked to a trucker about um, robots taking his jobs. Like, you know, Elon Musk got those tractor trailers to be able to drive themselves and shit like that coming out. So I said, well, where do you see the future of your job as a truck driver? And he was like, he was a Trump supporter. Um, mm. And he was very animated. Um, he definitely held his tongue because I know he wanted to say more, but he didn't. But wow. he was saying he feels like they still have job security because a robot won't be able to do things a human does. And I kind of brought up the fact of mm. driving over long distances. I said maybe when you start getting in an urban environment, it could get a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, the highway, I think, for the most part, it's going to be. Um... They can automate that. Elon yeah. Musk is doing and a great then, job. There's a lot of other companies that are, are emerging in that industry, particularly for uh, for big trucks. So, yeah, and then he also mentioned the security of the truck. So mm-hmm. the driver is like, they're the force multiplier. They're the security of the load. Mm. So he talked about that as well. I'm like, well, I don't know about that because he, of course, he mentioned Chicago. If I left my truck here, it'd all be looted and emptied out. And so I was like, What okay. if they bring that? They couldn't answer it for security reasons. Like, you build that thing so durable, it's like a freaking safe. Yeah. You know, where you can't just enter it. What's up, man? Thanks for watching. Ops officer over there. What up, first lady? She's really be um, holding it down, though. But nah. I don't know, I think, again, it's like, we no one wants to really ponder on that. But the truth of the matter is all our jobs revolve around conditions. And if this condition is met, then the robot will do that. And if it's another condition, they'll do something else. But when it goes to security, uh-huh. I'm very confident that it, it can be secured with a... But again... What what is what is the the best way to what do you what do you tell someone in that position who's uh, inevitably going to be uh, automated? I don't know, but I was just being real, like, and I understand the concept of damn, my industry could be wiped out, kind of thing. Like, I understand that concept. Like, we we talk about it all the time, like retail, all kind of stuff is going to be wiped out by robots. So. <sighs> But on, I guess on that same notion, perhaps maybe that's something they could transition over to. Their job wouldn't be so much to uh, drive, but like you said, like hey, sit there with a shotgun, going through, uh, going through the hood, yeah, and, and protect the cargo. But I suppose that security is one. I want to say the the lateral transition wouldn't be too difficult. Yeah. So I guess you would have to be. I'm. I'm guessing in my head you would have to know how to drive a tractor trailer, but then also have security experience, like go through some kind of course or training. 
once they became like automated and that's what the driver's job is, is basically a fail safe and pulling security. Hmm. That's kind of where I could see it going. I don't know. I could see because it, it would be steps, but eventually someone's going to be like, I don't want to pay this guy vacation. I don't want to pay him hourly wages. And they're going to come up with some way to, to go around it. But um, yeah, my lady just called me a uh, handsome Baphomet. And that's kind of what inspired the hat for yeah. people who don't know. Baphomet is not the devil, but it was um, one of the deities, uh, ancient pagan deities that the, the Knights of the Templar, they discovered during the Crusades. Mm-hmm. And I guess they, uh, they were working with that individual, acquired vast amounts of wealth, and maybe they created the Illuminati subsequently. But mm-hmm. Which yeah. are not supposed to be just enlightened folks. It's supposed and, to be. Yeah, when you really consider it, and it's like if you are truly enlightened, you're going to become, uh, naturally, you're going to become powerful. And I think uh, there's been a lot of deception placed around the concept to, to steer people away from seeking enlightenment, from uh, becoming their, their, reaching their full potential. And I think that's, that is the notion of, of enlightenment. How did we get here, though? I don't know. Uh, yeah, my lady's pointing out the the symbolism, but it's, it's kind of funny because like Walt Disney, he did something on like um, on the pentagram and also its relationships. But you familiar with Pythagoras? Take you back to geometry class in in, in high school, middle school. But anyway, yeah. Pythagoras was a mathematician, ancient Greek mathematician. Yeah. Like. You really got to think in those times, ancient Greece, things of that nature, they didn't have all the science that we had. So mm-hmm. even having science on like measurements, if you, there's a lot of geographic shape, geometric shapes that, that are in there. But as far as measurements and, and things of that, it was a secret. Like, you know, if you have a guitar, and you cut it in half, the pitch is going to change by half. Mm-hmm. Like that information was so primitive but it was like guarded. So he actually had a cult on mathematics. We hear about the dark ages and how like the Christians didn't want to proceed with technology because it was evil and everything. And we're like a hundred years behind, but people were still studying science and mathematics underground. Like Galileo was persecuted because mm-hmm. he was like, not, the earth is not the center of the universe. Like, in fact, it goes around the sun. The yeah. sun doesn't go around the earth and he was persecuted. Well, we know we know that Greeks, Romans, all them had to go to Kemet and Africa mm-hmm. to learn all this. People don't talk about who they learned from. <laughs> they Yo. just mention them being the founders and all this, like the father of medicine, the father. Of, no, they had to go learn from someone. Who did they learn from? Nobody brings up that question. And so when you go to Grand Central Station, I just want to say one more thing because IG's about to cut out maybe hitting that time but um like when you go to grand central station you see hermes trismegistus the the wind god and mm-hmm. it's like a lot of people don't know he's right there all these rockefellers these carnegies they built these marvelous structures but they're giving huh, paying homage to an egyptian god mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of that information it's been stolen the romans built burnt <laughs> the library of alexandria mm-hmm. but i believe they looted most of the good stuff in and it's the notion of keeping people ignorant but it's an age-old practice 
we're yeah. in the information age now so all these old secrets are being spewed out and you know we have all this access to great information at our fingertips and we need to utilize that for education and also for other ways to upgrade america word up um ig live i'm gonna go ahead and cut it that way it won't just interrupt but appreciate y'all no popping in peace peace ig end it all right so now i don't have to worry about that um like i said people explore the idea of um forming a union that's why we brought up unions mm -hmm. um but be very careful because your workplace will retaliate against you like that <laughs> that's a possibility for sure like uh, I'm, I'm most certain because it threatens uh, the workplace um, I would say, depending on your job, if your job treats you well, I do not see the need for a union. But mm -hmm. if you see the conditions aren't changing and it's a group of you guys or ladies, whoever, that want change, definitely a union would put a lot of pressure on your company to change or get you fired too. Like, like I said, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Process. Yes, like, <clears throat> but they can't legally stop you from talking about forming a union and all that mm -hmm. stuff but i won't say especially depending on what state you live in mm -hmm. uh, you got employment at will you have right to work you have all these different employment laws in different states that could not be in your favor so say you're in chicago you probably more than likely be able to talk about a union because it's union friendly for the most part okay. versus florida which is not union friendly not saying they you don't have they would with such a huge retail customer service right you would think so like only things i've seen unions for is like iron workers electricians um some hotels but that's mm -hmm. maybe south florida because it's a lot of uh, uh, northern people living down there. So I think that influence traveled down there as well. Now you, you mentioned that they weren't raising the minimum wage until 2026. Yes. $15 an hour. Now, yes. isn't that something that a union would advocate for to expedite? Like, yeah, we got countless individuals that are just scraping by and they are at the mercy of the customer's tips. Like, um, and you bring up something that minimum wage. You bring that up. That's a good point. I just saw this uh, article on tipped employees, like waitresses, waiters, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, they were talking about um, the idea of tipping during COVID. Like, some people don't some people tip a little more because they know the waitress and waitresses wait waiters and waitresses are exposing themselves taking a risk absolutely or and then you have people that tip less because they have less discretionary income even though you shouldn't be out eating if you can't tip if you're going out to dine i wouldn't say well, what is your what are your thoughts on carry out tipping i tip for carry out because not the 10 percent, 10 or 15 percent but I do leave a couple bucks for one for the human interaction and two because like um, I say as you mentioned they yeah they're taking a, a risk dealing with with countless people but I wanted to revert back to the human interaction thing because in the future the majority of our interactions are going to be with robots like we take for granted when someone says thank you have a nice day 
thank you, have a nice day, whatever. We're like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? But like, when it's a robot, it's just like, thank you, have a good day. And you'd be like, yo, F off, stupid robot. Hold on. What am I hearing from you right now? Did I hear you prefer human interaction versus uh, a I'm being, I'm saying that I tip because I appreciate the human interaction and I know it's going to go away. It's inevitably going to go away. And so it's just uh, like, I'm not going, if when I pick up carry out and a robot just says, thank you, have a good day. Would you like to tip for what? For your maintenance? Like, nah, but I mean, I think, as I mentioned, I tip a couple of bucks, but it's yeah. like, I'm not dropping 15% if I'm just picking up the food. I'll give you a couple bucks because just like you're like, hey, have a nice day. Thank you, human. I appreciate that. And also because you're, you know, you're, you're out there in the front lines. But tipping in COVID, what do you think? Uh, I've been, I can speak from my personal experience. I've been... Honestly, I've been tipping either a little more or like normal 20%. I'm used to it because of like- You've been in carry out? Huh? Even if you're picking up? Nah, uh, carry out, it depends. Really, honestly, it just depends on my mood. I'll be honest with you. Like if I'm in- I I have not sat in. I don't think I've sat down to dine since the Corona apocalypse. I have, definitely. it took a while though, I won't lie. I did take out and all that before I did. Mm-hmm. And then I would mainly go to places where it's like socially distanced and stuff like that. I mean, like we had this discussion, we'll talk about it a little later, but there's really no- Where you get that no... duck from though? Huh? Where you get that duck from? Oh, the yeah. The idea I seen you had, I was like, yo, that looks yummy. Portion was a little light, but it looked, looks grown. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. Um, it's all about quality, not quantity. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, well, anyway, like for tip employees real quick, and then I'll talk about my Gettysburg experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should, they should be, with this COVID really exposed a lot of shit. We talked about it. Just, um, it exposed what we could be doing that we're not doing. It's okay. a big thing I noticed, like, um yeah it just exposed so many inequities like that we should have already taken care of i don't like, know give me a give me a, a number one on your list um that the government has money to take care of people <laughs> don't it's the biggest lie ever man i know but i'm saying that's the lie they yeah, tell like that's what they um, tell us this is like and, and i know we had this conversation you're like yo if they can just cough up two trillion for that stimulus check, you're like they can do it for how do you say for um, reparations. Uh-huh. But that two trillion is gonna hurt. Whatever they pay, whatever they pay next is gonna hurt. And but, I'm telling you on. that inflation, that hyperinflation, uh-huh. it's that's that's another thing, you know. And in the midst of all this COVID, then bread goes to like five thousand dollars a loaf, yeah. like. Printing money is, is not a good thing. We don't have that luxury. I was just saying that in, in the sense though, we still pay taxes. So it's not like they're losing money. Like overall, yes, we're in debt, but it's not like we stopped paying taxes. No, we didn't stop paying taxes, but it's like, again, I'm going with the, 
we 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 got a jar of milk, right? Mm. But we keep pouring water into the milk. So mm. the milk is tasting less like milk and more like water. Like we're watering down the money supply by putting more in there. And yeah. this is a, is a result of, of that spending. And it, it just pays the way for, for again, like a, a, a socialist regime to emerge from it because of mm-hmm. hyperinflation and everything else associated with it. Or it can lean the other way where it's just like those trillionaires just get trillionaires. <laughs> the billionaires become trillionaires and the people become less, uh, we have immense poverty. Well, which which is happening anyway, so <laughs> I mean, it's going that route. Yo, man, um, like, <laughs> this election is going to be crazy, man. So yeah. Um, I feel, and I know we can say this every year, but it just feels like more and more riding on it. Yeah. Like, I would say this year, and this is the thing I was talking about. I was talking about this with somebody. My emotions are on overload election night hmm. shit is an overload it's almost like um i don't know i guess you can compare it to them sneakerheads that be my my energy and my emotions are so volatile election night i've noticed this is something i just noticed like hmm. Maybe when Obama got elected the first time is where I kind of caught a self-awareness about. I was like, yo, why am I, my emotions are everywhere. And like I told you, I'm empathic. So like, which means basically I feel others' emotions very strongly. And what happens is, especially like, say you're in a bad mood, I absorb your emotions. Hmm. And what happens to me is I feel what you're feeling. I can be in a fucking awesome mood, but you be in a bad mood. I absorb all of that. So can I ask you, is this something that you've experienced your entire life? Or is it something that you experienced in the military? Because my experience with being empathic is Mm -hmm. maybe I have been empathic my whole life and I feel so similar with feeling vibes and energy but i want to say that the military just combat experiences have made me more hyper vigilant and hypersensitive so it's like remember we're we're conditioning our hearing to be like very have higher sense of hearing higher sense of smell detect danger detect threats and even with your eyesight but I, I, me personally i think the combination of all that hypersensitivity mm-hmm develop a, a an acute sixth sense you know and, and an ability to, to feel Yo, energy yeah you have a theory then I think after Afghanistan would probably be I didn't really it, I didn't I probably would say I didn't really tap into it until the last couple years is when I really figured out I was empathic like I've had moments probably mm-hmm. But the last couple of years when I've kind of like, yo, like, oh, that's why I go through this. Like when I read like top traits of empaths or whatever. And when I was reading the list, I was like, yo, that's me, 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 me. I was like, oh, so I think having PTSD and being in the military kind of 
made me more aware of it in a weird way. It's like okay. it's kind of like we turned into X Men, like we turned into mutants. Yeah, we. You, I, I like your theory, and I I I, I, I agree with you. It's uh, mm-hmm. again because we had to really push our senses. To for me, it started in more in Korea. Mm-hmm. Like we're out in the, all night, even though it's just combat training. It's like people are still sneaking up on you. Like there were some sergeants that took people out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like or or how you say we had our commander. <laughs> he was going around. He would he would go with the he had the sharpie marker simulating a knife. Like he'd be safety killing. You know you're, you're supposed to say safety kill. You yeah. Close quarters and but it's like still preparing for for those type of scenarios. It established some hyper vigilance. Which kind of led to some, had some clairvoyant experiences, had mm-hmm. some ESP experiences. People on my same vibration, we can sometimes communicate without words. But I, 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 me personally, I think it stems from, uh, from the military. Yeah, I think the military, like I said, helped turn the switch up for me. I think it was like, yo, like, I went <laughs> from like, it's here to like, hey, put it on blast. So just something I observed, like, and it's, I've been learning how to cope with it and setting boundaries and like all this kind of stuff. Cause people don't realize being an empath is a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like you're dealing with all types of people. Like, and I give you an example. When I'm out and about, I will, I've had the most randomest ass conversations, but these people are spilling their whole life to me. And I'm sitting here like, okay. <laughs> but once you understand and self-aware, yo, that's empath. You you send out those vibrations to people. Interesting. Just being being yourself, but you emanate this stuff. Um, I had to learn how to be like, yo, you know, I don't have time to really talk right now. But good luck on whatever you're going through, and keep it moving. I had to learn how to do that. And then there's times where I have time, I will listen to that person. Let them get it all out. How do you digest that? Because it's It's like, one thing is like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to say I'm reluctant to ask people, how are you doing? Because when they're really bad, it's like I have to absorb all that. They're like, well, this is happening, and the kitchen sink is flooding, and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, ah. And I can find that overwhelming. Like, how do you digest? Um, negative energy. I already, to be honest, I have to be, I say the best barometer or way I can tell I can handle that in the moment mm-hmm. depends on my mood before the actual interaction. So okay. if I'm already in a good mood, I can handle it better than if I'm in a pissed off mood or I'm feeling some kind of way I'm thinking then I'm more likely not to be as receptive and I know I won't be able to handle it because I'm already in the mood. So I think that's the best barometer for me. Or I've had occasions where once they talk to me, my mood is lifted because I've absorbed all the Yeah, I've absorbed theirs, but I kind of synthesized it and been like, you know what, life ain't that bad. And then now I'm back to an even more positive mood. You know so you're I mean? transmuting that negative energy. Mm-hmm. But then that's always a plus too. But I, I, one more final thought on the empath thing is just the experience of movies and music. 
Yes. Oh, a lot man. differently. Yes. It's just is. like um, sometimes I feel like I gotta guard those portals for like what information and vibrations, energies I am digesting, and you know, because I know it's like you can never unhear what you heard, never unsee what you saw, and your brain will process it until you die. So you yeah. gotta um, really feed it with exclusive content, like Upgrade yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, how, we got, how we got here, I, I do not I, know. Hey, this Upgrade America. Uh, let's talk about new Humvees real quick. All I right, cool, cool. GM Defense delivers first infantry military vehicles to U.S. Army. They look pretty cool, actually. I'm checking it out right now. I'm looking at it. They're a little more open air. You don't have as much armor, but they look a lot more mobile. Yeah, they look more modern. I'm yeah. curious what the engine is underneath the specs because if they do have a big engine, then you can sit that down with armor. You can armor the doors, armor the windows, all that good stuff. Now, like the MRABs, that's what they're when they're phasing out the, the armor uh, Humvees when I was down there. They mm -hmm. were going with the MRABs, and those were supposed to be practically bomb proof yeah the u.s army on tuesday at the general motors providing grounds in milford received the first infantry squad vehicle made by gm defense llc just 120 days after winning the contract nice so gm formed gm defense in 2017 they wanted a piece of that military industrial complex <laughs> i don't blame you the vehicle is the first major contract the wholly owned subsidiary has owned I'm sorry, it has one, and it's key to the future growth of GM Defense. It shows the United States government how GM Defense can use GM technology on military vehicles. So, yeah, I'm curious what the specs are on this. Yeah. And it's for infantry. I can see us using this, but I'm looking at, like, weather conditions and shit, too, because it's open air, the example they're showing. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confident that they got a shelf for that. And, yeah. Uh, they're probably just trying to make it all like who uh yeah basically but it's like it looks yeah, cool it seeing it like that it's mm -hmm. like i don't know it looks really naked yeah that's what i was looking at too like i see it but i'm like okay like uh it does rain it does snow dust storms like, like i'm looking and it's like and then they still made it like all dull like the the controls like the humvee but uh i don't know there's just there's always an industry for defense Obviously, yeah, especially how um, we are. It's like when I saw Nike getting into combat boots, I'm just like, oh, y'all know what time it is. Like, <laughs> we are going to be a perpetual war. And, oh, I'm, uh, looking at, I'm looking at what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you kind of got to make the controls like that, though, to be honest. Well, I guess. Just for, like, durability reasons, like... You know how rough we are on equipment and shit, bro. Oh, yeah, man. And you got, like, a whole bunch of weapons and, and knocking. Yeah, we would definitely be smashing some touch screens. That's what I'm saying. You can't have no shit like Open that. that. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess, but still, they gotta take some comfort into consideration, particularly when your your grunts can be spending like twelve to fifteen, sometimes twenty four hours in uh in those vehicles. Long as you got that, heat AC at a, at a certain point, I guess. Yeah, I suppose that the AC was definitely a plus, man. I promise the vehicles no AC. That is uh, a <laughs> torture, man. <laughs> I wanted to bring up this. Um, I know pretty much America's like, yo, like, wear your mask, mm -hmm. blah, 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 right? So I heard this term. I forgot where I heard it, but mask and fear fatigue. Americans okay. are probably now experiencing this from being in Corona since what, March? More or less. April? Yeah. Let's, let's, we could say March. It wouldn't okay. mean like fear fatigue. Because of the media, um, constantly COVID, 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 like you're less fearful of it now because you hear about it every day. So it's kind of like a part of your routine. Like, okay. Uh, and we got complacent. I won't say complacent. I'll say desensitized. Okay. Um, like me personally, when I'm going out now, I was just mm -hmm. in New York City yesterday and it's just like, some people seem to be like, yo, they're masked up, and other people just, just don't care. They really don't seem to care. And it's um, maybe because how poorly the metrics were represented. But um, I don't know. So what kind of got my attention, I just happened to see this. Shout out to this chick, uh, uh, Kim Iverson. Very intelligent, beautiful. She's dope. She's kind of like independent media like us, right? Right on. So we've used like some of her concepts before uh, when we talk about the Beirut um, explosion. Yeah. So she basically brought up a point on how the media kind of spins sensationalizes the death toll. You know, it's like 220,000 have died from COVID or whatever. And we, you and I have already spoken about there's a lot of mis misinformation within that number because they more than likely somebody doesn't just die of COVID. It's like some other shit going on. Complications and pre-existing health conditions. I totally agree. So, and saying, the way they're representing these numbers, it's they're cooking the books. And yeah. like I already told you my expectations. If mm -hmm. Mr. Biden wins, those numbers are going to get cooked even hotter. If uh, now Trump wins, it's mm -hmm. difficult to say. I don't see how really get how they're spinning this uh, COVID thing. So basically, she broke down. She did all the math. I listened to it, but conceptually, just as a whole, mm -hmm. the U.S. for the most part, like at least two point five over the last like five years, at least. Two million plus people have died, period, just in general, in the U.S. every year. Um, hold on, from what? Just in general, people die. Two million plus die per year? Yes. You would think it was way more than that. So what she was arguing, the point she was pointing out was mm -hmm. as far as the COVID deaths, we're basically on pace to do the same numbers we do every year. It's been steadily going up. How many people die each year? 
but at least on average, two million plus die. So it's like I get what you're saying because mm-hmm. it's not like yo, we're let's use that number two million. Like mm-hmm. let's just say 2019, two million people died. It's not like saying like yo, this year because of COVID, three million people died. It's more or less like you said the numbers are on point, which leads me to believe that people are dying from pre-existing health conditions as well, and they're being considered as COVID deaths. So, again, I think that's a bit deceitful, how numbers are being recorded and reported. And again, by the same time, it's it's allowing people in power to further leverage power and take more power, you know, by uh, instituting these little uh, laws and executive orders because it just starts with the mask and then it goes to something else. Shout out to my buddy Mario. He was putting me on uh, one of his hypotheses. Mm-hmm. Like, the government wouldn't have to mandate all these, uh, like, vaccines and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. The corporations can. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, if you want to go back to work, you got to take a shot. Or you got to do X, Y, Z. We talk- so all these things could be rolled out through the, you know, the corporate it's just as powerful as, as government well we can, we can over say more powerful at this point i mean yeah, that's if it's really not like... over if, if they're not over government because um but it's like i don't get it yeah <laughs> like, like people are voting for the wealthy or a corporate representative yes and none, um, yes. none are, are representing yes. your interests None besides uh, this porn devil and my dear friend CJ the day slayer. Like, for the people, baby. You already know, four years for the people. That might be the next slogan. Uh, Ooh, whatever, whatever. I like that. Oh, we split it. Ooh. No, but I think that's what... And maybe, maybe I should send a request out to the powers that be. That's so much to ask for. Four years? Four years for, for the people? Like, just, just a little break. Not asking for some more simple requests. So let me read these off real quick. Um, All right. And we're not saying that uh, COVID is a hoax or anything like that. We're being honest. We're we're trying to look at it objectively mm-hmm. and give y'all like a different preview. We're not trying to be like, oh, it's a hoax. Da da da. Don't social distance. Don't do none of that. Now we're not saying that. We are saying though that the reporting is misrepresented and I, it's I causing excess fear i believe um and causing actually if you really think about it it's causing us because you gotta remember humans are animals Mm. so (laughs) we're gonna adapt to our environment we're gonna adapt to stressors and stuff like that we're gonna evolve based on what stressors are in conditions we're in absolutely so i say that all to say the number of deaths caused Leading causes of death in America, heart disease is number one, yes, cancer is number two, accidents, mm-hmm. number three, chronic respiratory diseases. So that sucks during COVID time. That's number four. Stroke is number five, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, influenza, pneumonia, nephritis, and nephrosis. I think I said that right. And suicide. Like so- those are the top leading causes of death. According to the CDC, is that according to the CDC? Yes, this is CDC. So it's like, minus the accidents, minus the accidents, cigarettes cause 
those top. They cause the lung cancer. They definitely cause the heart disease, the oh, respiratory yeah. failures, and that nature. Cigarettes cause most of those. And they say, yeah. like, if you are 20, and then accidents is right underneath that because they say if you don't smoke cigarettes, you're most likely to die in, in a car accident. But it's like, again, the government has this veneer of public health and safety. Wear a mask, it's for your health. Wear a mask, it's for your health. But people can walk down the street holding their child's hand, smoking their disgusting cigarette, burning it down, giving themselves and everyone in the vicinity cancer. And they can do this lawfully. But you're telling me I can't go into an establishment without a mask because of public health and safety. How like it's a joke. It's ridiculous. But... So we're just bringing that up to just make y'all aware, not saying ease your fears or anything, but just have a better understanding or have more of an understanding. Um, I know it helped me put things in perspective, like, okay, like right now we basically, her numbers shook out to like, we're just a hundred thousand ahead of the game this year or mm -hmm. something like that, like excess deaths, but it's not, exponential like you would think based on how the media is throwing it in your face and then here's something else you have to consider is that there's so many factors so one you have to covid people trapped inside suicide is going to go up um it's the whole social distancing that's a factor but at the same time people gaining weights and unhealthy habits that they accumulated from the whole disruption is, is that's going to uh, add to deaths as well. People Sad. getting lazy, people getting lazy. You know, for one point, these mother effers closed the parks. Yeah. And they weren't even letting people exercise. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're saying that doesn't contribute to stress from unemployment, yeah. you know, radical uh, groups on standby, yeah, police and a lot of the, the, you said the whole fear thing, the perpetual fear, that affects our immune system. That affects yeah. our psyche. Yeah. It, there's a lot of factors to, to what's going on and, and why. But I agree with uh, what Miss Iverson is saying. It's like, there's no substantial boost or significant gain in, in, in the death toll. It's being spun. And I'm very thankful on that your chart was inaccurate <laughs> for your projections of COVID. Oh, my my metrics were based on what was being provided. Yeah. We have the news telling us every single day, oh, good heavens, the cases in New York are doubling every three days. Sounds very much like exponential growth. So it's like, you do the math. It's like exponential growth within a short amount of time can can get into the billions and yeah thank heavens it did not grow three times it didn't double every three days we don't have it but then that is a theory too that we already all have it it's just a slow um more or less we won't feel the effects until it's like they have a vaccine in place that and people will demand it so we'll see how that goes Going to the next topic real quick. The white extremist group Patriot Front hmm. is preparing for a world after Donald Trump. This oh, is boy. an article from BuzzFeed. And let's see. In its secret chat, somehow, somehow 
somebody got into their chat and you got to see what they were saying. I read the first couple uh, statements. Okay. Um, I guess somebody's asking, interviewing a potential patriot to join the front. Um, what are your beliefs that led you to join the organization? And so the person responded, at the core of my position are these principles, categorically rejection of the notion of equality, categorically rejection of universal democracy, <laughs> explicit in-group preference. <sighs> In short, I can't stand idly by while my people fall into despair, degeneracy, and ethnic replacement. Okay, I feel like Jews, immigrants, and Muslims, he spelled Muslims wrong, um, are malicious, a malicious threat to the United States, had United States lowercase, is an economy that, why my people in the current state of civil unrest, these niggers, are causing themselves to be shot by the police and making the split even bigger. I feel like as if it's going to be a huge race war and us whites will come out on top. How do you feel about this statement? Wow. Yeah. So these are Americans now talking about basically fascism. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like whether Trump acknowledges it or not, mm -hmm. it's like they're unifying underneath him. They're sharing that support for him. And again, with we, 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 we discuss the notion of policy and, and rhetoric which one is more damaging you have these jerk offs like on standby like really thinking that these orders are for them but um shout out to Rizzo Islam like I was watching the video that he was putting out too mm -hmm. and he's talking about like the purge but how there was a record number of sales in purge masks and mm -hmm. things of that nature this year and mm -hmm. he's also was discussing on how uh, a theory that we had as well that these right wing militia folks would mash up the nation, you know, in the uh, unlikely event that Trump that Trump loses. Or you have uh, there's he also mentioned that there are people on the left too that are pissed and they they would come to arms in, in the streets, you know, in the event that Biden loses or, or something like that. And it's people are really charged, man. They are really politically charged. And I think another one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that we that we found the courage to do this is if I didn't run, I would have been finding myself trying to polarize with one or one group or the other. Mm -hmm. And um both of them are like, I don't say they're idiots, but I disagree with 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 with, with both of them a lot, and particularly in in the factions that are associating around them. Mm -hmm. I would say you bring up something interesting. Like if you weren't running, you would be polarized left or right. And I was like, if anything, this is showing me to be more non-party affiliated, more opinion, mm -hmm. independent. Like, this has exposed to me why I'm this way. Like, I can even look at the, um, what do you call it? Uh, 
the mailers, like the election stuff for my local elections, I was getting Republicans and Democrats. And I like that fact that I get to see both. And it showed too when I was voting, like I had to look up each candidate. It took me like half a day. Like it took me a few couple hours to really vote because I had to look up everybody and see kind of what their issues are, like how they talk about the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. I so did benefit from doing it from home. Then. Yes, because I was able to look up. Even though I still think there should be one place where you can see all the issues. Like it should be mandatory if you're running. Like, hey, this is where I'm at on the issues. This is what I plan to do. Um, yeah, a little bio information. That's cool. See you. Whatever mm-hmm. people need to see what you look like. Whatever. But like I told you, it was discrepancies between. Uh, the Democrats kind of not saying I'm Democratic, but seeing some of them not having profiles, not having a professional web page with their issues like that's very like discouraging because I'm looking for how do you feel about the issues? What do you plan to do? And I'm looking for like a little bio information and like I've seen a couple of Democrats who are really good locally that had a really, you know, good page and I was like, all right, cool, good. So now I just had to make a decision. But one cop, um, I think he's running for share, a former cop or something. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of our concepts actually woven like, into what he what would in, What in particular? Community policing. Okay. Bring that back. Um, fairness, like just use of force. He brought that up, getting back to basics on use of force standardize um, it across the board it'll solve yeah. so many problems he was talking about um i don't know he was just when i read his shit i thought of our podcast and i was like yes that's who i would vote for definitely so he got my vote cool. um, but yeah to see somebody say that like with their chest like he said it like i was like cool and it's not what he was saying is not very popular where i live at was where I live at is very red, basically. But uh, I want to emphasize on the strategic advantage you had from voting from your living room. Like, yeah. I don't think I would have that luxury to stand in the, the poll and then, like, Googling through my phone about this person, that person. Like, and it's you said it takes like 15 minutes to do it in person, but at the same time, it's like that's if you hold up, that's if you've already researched each candidate. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. So if you have an idea who you're, if you already have an idea who you're going with, but you brought up a really great point. It shouldn't, voting shouldn't be 15 minutes, like in and out, wham, bam, thank you. And ma'am, it should be like, yo, you're really sitting down and making an intelligent decision with resource, with resources at your disposal. You can be like, hold on, what is this policy? Who is this individual? What are they backing up? Like, I really like where, where you're going with that. And perhaps that's something, uh, a service that could be created later, like a website that has all of that, because it would be very helpful. Yes. You know, and um, have it in layman's terms, please. Like, what one thing I did like on most mm-hmm. of the candidates, they spoke in layman's terms for the most part. So I really appreciated that, because you're not trying to talk, read all that legalese shit. Like, that's a whole other language. All that, yeah, we don't need that. There like, should it be, a... be. It has to be clear so that we know what yeah. we're what we're voting on. 
but I, I do like that aspect of it like and i think again the whole online voting i would not mind that being my legacy giving people that opportunity that they could do it and i trust that i trust the internet more than i trust them i think it's i dare say it's harder to sabotage the internet than it is to sabotage paper votes but what do i know uh real quick we'll go over some famous whistleblowers um okay. real quick i'll do like three because we run out of time uh, in 1970, uh, Frank Serpio, I think I'm saying it right, went to the U- New York Times and exposed the systematic corruption that existed within the NYPD, which resulted in the creation of the Knapp Commission. Mm. Um, Mark Felt, the associate director of the FBI, leaked classified information regarding Nixon's involvement in active cover-up of the Watergate scandal to two reporters from the Washington Post and Linda Tripp contributed to Clinton's impeachment trial in 1998 by handing over recordings of Monica Lewinsky revealing details about her affair with the president. So those are three like real quick examples of whistleblowers. I'm gonna define what a whistleblower is for the audience. A whistleblower is defined as an individual who alerts the public about another individual or organization that's secretly involved in illicit or unethical activities. Um, interesting fact, I'm gonna bring this up too that people don't know about. From naval officers in the American Revolution to more recent case of Edward Snowden, this article mm-hmm. was 10 of the most famous whistleblowers. Some have sparked important in international conversations while other others have met mysterious deaths along dark state highways wow so it seems right and this is coming from world atlas i don't know how credible they are or whatever but it was i just wanted to talk about whistleblowers and how important they are to democracy or our republic <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah let me start referring to it as that so what do you feel about that whistleblowers um, again, personally, I would mm-hmm. pardon Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. Like, taking presidency, what he did was, uh, again, we, we discussed how the Constitution seems like an antiquated document. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that he exposed, some of the things that the government was doing was indeed unconstitutional. But for that information, that light to be brought to the American people, like we needed to, we needed the, we needed to know that. And to me, I think that's a, he's an American hero. Like, if you're violating the Constitution, it's tyrannical. And for him to expose that, again, like I, th- I, I, I applaud that, and I would pardon him for I granted presidential power. But we have to create that environment where whistleblowers are not chastised. They're not uh, assassinated. No re- assassinated. There's no reprisal. Yeah. And um, because the thing is, more often than not, the institutions that are being whistleblown against are so much more powerful than the people who are within them. Mm-hmm. And like we have to have some sort of protective measures in place to, to do it. Because it's like if you just turn a blind eye to it, that's how you end up. That's how you live in tyranny. When you just turn a blind eye to it these things are going and trust me like listen to this podcast series of dictators Mm -hmm. you need whistleblowers just like i said we need journalists like we need journalists like trained journalists 
because they tell the truth they report from an objective manner but they keep us really informed and people don't realize that's why journalists are important like real journalists not ad hoc journalists or you know weekend journalists i'm talking about real journalists like went to school got trained for stuff like that um shout out to whistleblowers you know we got a lot of stuff change done i think what aaron brockovich is one and what's his name um other dude in the army uh bradley Bradley. yeah yeah, he sent out a lot of files but again it's it's we we gotta have some sort of protective measure in place or it's like what do they say in the corporate world? Comfort speaking up. Like you should yeah. you should feel comfortable speaking open up. door policy. Open door policies, same thing. You should feel comfortable speaking up against injustices within an institution, organization, what have you. There should be no reprisal. If you need another like committee to investigate these things and uh let's form it. But Whistleblowers again. It's. I really think they're going to look back on, on Edward Snowden and, and see that he, he did a great thing. My question for you: What do you okay. think? What do you, how do you think our government would be operating if we did not know about such operations? Such operations did not come to light. Yeah. Um. It wouldn't be the same America it is now. I put it that way. I don't think so either. But I think yeah. it's like the thing is, it's like once you do, yeah, they did some foul stuff, right? But it's not like yo, we're just gonna stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like yo, we got caught. We kind of changed it up, and you know they. It's like government has seen how far they what they can get away with. Mm-hmm. And they may just keep going further, but again, you gotta have some sort of uh, transparency. Okay, my, go ahead. I'm now saying both my batteries are about to die on my phone and my computer, but I wanted to wrap it up with uh, Elon okay. Musk, the SpaceX Starlink. You know what that is? Yeah, you're talking about uh, internet service for rural areas, right? A satellite or something? Is it a satellite? Yeah, it's literally like thousands of satellites that are going to be daisy chained around the Earth, mm-hmm. and they're going to provide internet to like. So hold on, let me read some of these bullet points. Elon Musk, SpaceX has agreed to provide internet in Texas schools direct via its Starlink network of satellites. It will provide internet to 45 families in early 2121. So, yeah, let's see what it is. This is the first time that SpaceX Starlight space-based internet service is being offered in northern U.S. So, nearly 900 Starlink satellites are currently in orbit. They're designed to beam high-speed internet around the world. And using SpaceX testing, the service in northern U.S. and southern Canada. So yeah, as I mentioned, it's like a thousand satellites that are just going to be linked together and providing free internet. Which we need it because one of the objectives of Upgrade America was nationwide uh, free Facts. internet. And it, again, we, we mentioned that the internet is 
akin to electricity. It's, it's almost like a utility. Like we we live in a, in a digital age. People need this, particularly in times of COVID, distance learning. We want to make sure that kids can go to school. But I, I applaud Elon Musk. I look forward mm-hmm. to working with him. Some endeavors in the future. Brilliant, brilliant guy. But, uh, um, how, how much time you got left on your battery? I had two more things real quick. Okay, let's run through it, man. Because I know we got a hard stop. Um, about the robot revolution. Right. So this is from LinkedIn. Around 50 percent of work tasks will be done by machines by 2025, according to the World Economic Forum, with data entry, administration, factory assembly jobs are most at risk. However, while wow. the rise of machines will, elimin- yeah, will eliminate 85 million jobs, it is expected to create 87 million new ones, especially in care, big data and the green economy. The research spanning 300 of the world's biggest companies also warns that the pandemic has hastened automation and half of all employees will need to upskill or retrain in the next five years. Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. I said that before, that the pandemic has increased the need for automation under the veneer of of safety, but although at the same time revenue has been lost, Robots don't take vacation days or sick days. Yeah. Let alone require salaries. That seems to be the way that the future is heading. I want to do um not this episode, but I'll take some time, mm-hmm. and then like upgrade America, IT centric, technology centric. I can throw out. I would like to pair some little uh, some information for people to get into that industry. Okay. Because that's where it's heading. If they have to pivot or you know level up, like I, I want to throw a. Uh, Give some information on that on another episode. All right. Overall, um, today, yeah, episode was solid. It was really great. The political campaign was was outstanding. I met several other uh, presidential uh, candidates along the way, Mm -hmm. and people are they're waking up to this. Like they're tired with the red pills and with the blue pills. It's like they see that they're getting the same results, and it's not what we want. And again. How far we came, we, we still made history. What's most important is that we push and we encourage other people to do the same thing. Right now, you have another four years to level up, train, really think about the message and what you would want to do for the American people. Because um, <laughs> we're going to see what this uh, this president, uh, the next president ha- has to bring. But if it's unacceptable, we, we have to push back if only by uh, protesting politically and trying to obtain these offices. But mm-hmm. it was great, bro. Awesome journey. I learned a lot. It's uh, taught me a lot of new skills. Um, I was arguing with a colleague. He's like, oh, you'll never be the president, blah, blah, blah. They only choose like Freemasons and people from the bloodline. Yeah, maybe, but still it's a fun game to play. And I was confident that I learned so much and I did. I learned just these um, the whole 3D printer thing. The yeah. skill that I obtained just from from running this uh, this campaign. Met a lot of great people, you know, to, to do uh, other endeavors in the future. And we're still shooting a movie, but I have no regrets. I can only say if you really believe your vote counts, if you really do, then choose the evil that best suits you 
<laughs> um, real quick, what's your prediction? Who wins? I'm going with that Cameron Raw fellow. <laughs> but if I had to pick a, a close runner up, Ah, <sighs> <laughs> uh, man, it's just like the tone of the nation. And even when you're feeling the pulse of even some black leaders, so-called rappers and entertainers leaning towards Trump and supporting mm-hmm. Trump, it's like I could see it. Ha- sitting in office has a unique benefit. It really does. And uh, Trump sitting in there, he has the backdrop of the White House in there you know that's a powerful projection for among voters Ah, if i I had to put some money on it man heads or tails right that's what it seems i could say trump man i would see him taking it just because Whatever mm-hmm. he did with the economy and with stock portfolios, it's working. Yeah, the economy sucks. Like, people have lost mad jobs. But, man, when you look at that S&P 500, like, whatever he's doing, when you look at your 401k stock portfolio, whatever he's doing is working. And a lot of people are going to vote exclusively because of that because it's in their best interest. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Biden wins because people are tired of they actually want politicians again believe it or not i think yeah i think the social climate is going to be the factor why biden wins i i get what you're saying Mm -hmm. from the money standpoint but people i think are more looking at it from the social standpoint and I think that's what is going to give him the win believe it or not yeah 62 percent taxes which what Biden was harping on. Yeah, I'm those, those wealthy elitists will be like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Behind their backs, they're like, what this motherfucker? What this guy so much? Just real quick, I've seen a lot of staunch Republicans. I'm voting Biden. Like, I've seen a lot of that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think it's more We are so- going to have to see when those numbers get tallied up. And yeah. then it's like. So, again, why I'm saying Trump is because we, we discussed this before and I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins the presidency is who cheats the hardest. And I think that the I think the Republicans cheat harder than the Democrats. I would say yes, but I would say the Democrats are very for, formidable from that Hillary loss. And mm. based on that, they know what to do, even though I think they still suck, but they you know do compare Biden to- is what to do. Elevating Biden is what to do. Granted, he has a track record, he has a history, he's He's been in the office. He's been close to the seat. But it's just like, you don't beat Trump with another old white man. You could beat him with with an anti-Trump, someone like me. Like who? But like, I don't think you're gonna be. He's the old white man to to beat that other old white man. Me personally, I don't. Good to see. Um, tell everybody. Uh. It's been a journey, all that good stuff. Uh, blessings, grateful, thank you. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> um, we're going to take a hiatus for what, two weeks? Yeah, we're going to take a little two-week hiatus. As we mentioned, it has been a fun journey, but it has been taxing. 
nonetheless, yes. we're going to rest our brains and, you know, we're going to revamp it. We're still going to be political. We're still going to be current events. Mm-hmm. If, um, now we're just not campaigning. But it's not like we were putting on our political faces anyways. We kept it real 100% with you all the way. And um, again, if you really think your, your vote counts, vote for 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 the evil that you think isn't gonna I guess I didn't curse the whole episode for the evil that isn't gonna you think isn't gonna fuck you the hardest because <laughs> either way you fucking yeah. like you can deal with some spit or you can deal with some lube or I'm sure that some wouldn't use any but like this is it man 2020 is it's a big deal I want everybody to stay blessed stay positive stay vigilant because yeah. um, it's Around election years is when power shifts, and um, people will do anything to obtain and retain power. As we mentioned before, no thing stays the same. Everything is subject to change. So Upgrade America, it's been a blessing. It's been a journey. One day, an independent uh, president is going to take office, and things will truly change. Yeah, stay blessed, people. Catch you on the next episode.